0: Welcome to Supply Chain Radio. I'm Suha Sridhar, and I'm joined today by solution consultant Steve Antiveros. Hey, Steve. Hey, hey. How's it going, Suha? Pretty good. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your work. You, sure. you spend a lot of time out in the field, and you are dealing with issues related to the financial side of the supply chain, which we focus a lot on the physical side of the supply chain, but there's this whole other side about the financial flows in the supply chain. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what that world is
1: like. Sure. It's not just the physical flow that's important of goods. It's also the, the flow of data that underpins the physical movement of those goods. And it's not just the physical flow of the goods, the flow of the data about those goods, but importantly to everybody involved in the movement of goods to market is the flow of funds. How do you get money from the buyers to the sellers in the most efficient way? Nothing moves without money. That's right. So
0: in that process, what is it like in the supply chain? There's a common sense of the term procure to pay yep. that applies to supply chains. And uh, I was a little bit curious about what is that process like? How do most businesses deal with it? and are there issues that they're having with it
1: Sure so procure to pay is a big topic maybe it would be fair to to break it down into two topics so there's procure to pay as it relates to indirect goods or indirect spend and then there's a similar but I would argue vastly different procure to pay processes for the procurement of direct goods you know the goods and materials that go into whatever the widget that you're selling
0: Right, the the, sort of the ingredients to your soup.
1: That's right. So, if it's a recipe or a formula, all of the raw materials that go into bringing that recipe or formula to market, all of the raw materials that go into bringing my favorite shoes, Converse Chuck Taylor All Star Low Tops to market, classic, you know, all of those materials that are purchased by the enterprise need to be paid for. All of those materials that are purchased and assembled by contract manufacturers and then moved by your contract transportation providers need to be paid for. Just like on the indirect side, your pens and pencils and and staplers need to be paid for in order to make your enterprise go. Right. And
0: I know on the indirect side, a lot of people are automating that process, right? Where you're using these procurement hubs where you can shop. You can buy all sorts of different types of toilet paper and get the one that you want and have it so that it's easy to reorder using the system. I've seen a lot of that on the indirect procurement side. But on the direct procurement side, it doesn't seem like there's as much effort to automate the process. I've been curious why that is.
1: It's hard. It's really hard to connect far-flung factories to a single digital network. Think about indirect first. Those transactions are often smaller in volume and in dollar amount. They're more transactional. They follow the, the same well-worn path month in and month out. You know, if you're an enterprise, a worldwide enterprise with offices all over the world, you pretty much know what your pens and pencils and stapler budget is for the year. And that budget doesn't change very much. And if one supplier falls out of favor for some reason, there's a dozen other suppliers chomping at the bit to serve your indirect spend needs. But on the direct spend side, it's not as easy to rip and replace a supplier, especially if it's a key component supplier that has tooled their factory up in a way that makes it a costly decision to shift that manufacturing to another organization.
0: Yeah, and it's high stakes, I guess.
1: That's right. That's what I mean to say is that the stakes are higher on the direct side in case there's any changes or problems, than if something were to go wrong procuring indirect materials. Right. And you've never heard
0: of a business falter because its pen supplier went out of business. But if its actual automotive part supplier went out of business, then they might really hurt. Big problem. So then why automate procure to pay on the direct side then? If it sounds like it's something that really requires attention, concentration, maybe somebody to
1: review all of this stuff, What's the benefit in automating that? I love this question. (laughs) It reminds me of a job that I did a long time ago. I was in commercial finance for a boutique factoring company, and we did purchase order finance. And so in order to start manufacturing, the factory needed to be able to purchase the raw materials. And so our factoring company would finance the purchase of those raw materials ahead of time. And when those raw materials were assembled and delivered and finally brought to that factory's final customer, an invoice was issued and we would also finance that invoice. And in order for us to get paid our fee for that service of providing that early pre-shipment financing and that post-shipment factoring transaction, we needed to do some reconciliation. So imagine this, I, I had this three foot long slide rule on a big, long conference table, and I printed out a copy of the purchase order, printed out a copy of what I thought to be the current version of the purchase order, printed out a copy of the invoice, printed out a copy of the warehouse receipt, and with my three-foot long slide ruler, I would go line by line and compare, okay, this line is for 100 units on the purchase order, on the invoice, darn it, they've got 110 units, and the warehouse received 105 units? How am I going to pay this? because I'm not in the warehouse, I don't know what was actually received. I wasn't on the dock at origin when the 3PL picked up the cargo. I don't know whether or not the 3PL lost a box in transit or if the box is sitting on the factory floor because they forgot to put it in the container. As an accounts payable clerk, charged with making the decision of whether or not I pay this very expensive invoice, I need visibility into more than just this piece of paper and my three-foot-long slide rule. And that's what a network does, is it brings on every transaction, all of those parties together, so that everybody is executing on the same most current version of that purchase order. And so when the supplier creates their ASN, they're creating it from the latest version of the PO. When the freight forwarder, receives in the goods from the supplier, they're issuing their forwarder's cargo receipt based on the latest version of the purchase order. When the invoice is automatically drafted on behalf of the supplier in the image of the purchase order, all of those checks can now be done on the network and can be done digitally. And I can't wait to throw away that slide,
0: Ruler. It's an interesting proposition that all of these different entities – maybe several tiers of suppliers even, would be able to work off of the same exact version of information. I mean, we're seeing that across different industries. I guess it's fair to say with the idea of the cloud, with the idea of business networks, commerce networks. But I would think that there are some fairly unique challenges in the direct procurement process where you're dealing with change orders, you're dealing with maybe timeframes that are a little bit protracted. Can you talk about how this kind of technology would deal with some of those idiosyncrasies in the direct procurement space?
1: Sure. A good quick example is, and I think you alluded to it, the difference in lead times when you compare an indirect purchase to a direct purchase. On the indirect side, you know, it's sort of a monthly requisition. You just need to replenish from typically stock. And that replenishment is happening from a distribution center that is often in your same metro area or perhaps in your same state, but it's certainly close by you. Whereas direct procurement, you're sourcing goods halfway around the world in a different time zone in a different language. And so the steps involved in first sourcing, you know, finding the right manufacturing partner and then working with them to ensure that they will have a steady flow of raw materials to meet your your forecast. And then you've got to start a practice of regularly sharing your forecast with those suppliers so that those suppliers can turn around and share their own forecasts to their second or third tier raw material suppliers. And all the way through that value chain, through that supply chain, you sitting in the driver's seat of the enterprise need to know whether or not there's going to be a disruption along the way. And so by lifting all of those previously manual processes into a sort of shared common network platform, the enterprise is able to not only gain visibility for themselves as to all of these forecasted orders turning into actual orders, but they have visibility into disruptions if, say, one raw material supplier is unable to meet demand that signal will ripple through the network and that signal of a potential missed raw material will get to the enterprise sooner rather than later. And if you tie that forecast sharing and capacity planning process to a purchase order process on the P2P network, you're able to issue call-off purchase orders and tie your actual PO to a forecast. And then you can take it, you know, the step further to say, well, if we've created this call-off PO and reduced a previously collaborated on forecast line item, well, then why can't we create an invoice from that underlying PO? The idea here is that the information required to settle a direct procurement invoice really started years ago when you first secured a contract with that contract manufacturer and laid out the terms of your engagement that would unfold over, over years, not months or weeks. That makes sense. And in, a, and in a
0: lot of ways, it sounds like what you're doing is you're fostering communication by putting some requirements in. And the fact that everybody has to use a common network to communicate means that there's less likelihood that somebody just doesn't return a phone call. Doesn't send that fax, doesn't send that email that is reflecting on something being different from what you expected.
1: That's right. Every organization, the buyer, they have their own ERP system. Modern suppliers and all of their factories have their own ERP systems. 3PLs, freight forwarders, carriers have their own ERP systems. And the problem for the enterprise is that. 80% of the information the enterprise needs to get to a touchless payment environment, the information requirements live somewhere else. They live in the 3PL's ERP. They live in the supplier's ERP. And that's where the network comes into play. The network connects all of those parties' ERP systems into a single environment where all of the parties are executing off the same version of the truth. And all of those same parties, systems of record, their own ERPs are constantly being updated by what's happening on the system of execution. Think about it like your LinkedIn profile. You've got a network of, I've looked at your LinkedIn, it's a lot. You've got a network of a lot of professionals on LinkedIn. And when you want to update them about something that's changed in your career, you update it as the single source of truth, and then everybody else that's part of your network is notified of it. The same thing is happening on a P2P network. Whenever that purchase order changes or whenever one of your partner reduces a quantity or wants to collaborate on price, all of that stuff happens on this collaborative network, and then the results of that collaboration get sent out or notified to all of the parties that are involved in that transaction. Very similar to LinkedIn, Waze, Facebook, all of these networks where each individual contributes, you know, their piece is what makes makes it possible to move to a touchless accounts payable environment. Just like when I add podcasting to
0: your list of skills on LinkedIn, everyone in your network will know. Oh, I can't wait for that day. (laughs)
1: Well, thanks a lot, Steve. And how can people find you? I'm usually on Twitter at Supply Chain Brew, ham-fistedly relating the world's events back to supply chain and logistics.
0: Perfect. This has been Supply Chain Radio. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.